I feel like I've really made a, an intention to grow out of the pattern of trying to make meaning out of every little thing. When something comes into my life, it's like, what does this mean? Like, what is this gonna be like? Instead, just, it's all just information. Like, you're just like receiving information. Welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink. I'm Kate Madry, and I'm so happy you're here. Sobriety is like a thumbprint, and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a clear-headed podcast. Today's conversation is with someone who I am lucky enough to call a close friend, who's also like-minded. Patrick and I were introduced last year in 2022 and since have become fast friends. He's so creative, he's so talented, and he's exactly the friend I want. I think you're really going to learn a lot from his perspective, his story. I know I did. We're friends, we're besties. You're an icon, you're a legend. I I mean, we're going to... I know, right? (laughs) Uh, thank you. <laughs> I kind of prepped you before, but I want to start our conversation. Like we've had our conversations before, but now there's a microphone in your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to go back to when you realized that alcohol wasn't serving you. Can you take me back to the moment or moments of clarity mm-hmm. leading up to that? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say there were moments, many moments that led to like the awareness kind of. And I was actually talking about this with somebody recently, but I remember when, um, this sounds so funny now that I'm about to say it, but when the first person I knew who was like sober, like I found out that they were sober and I was like, what, how? I don't even understand how that's possible. And then my mind went all these places like, oh, wow, like you must have, you must have, you know, had a different life. You're totally, like, you're totally fine. Like you must have, you know, been in a dark way or something. I just, my mind went all of these directions, you know, because I thought that like being sober meant that like you just like must have had a very serious issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I think, honestly, one of the first realizations that I had, but I couldn't articulate it at the time, was when I was in college. Um, And uh, I was competing in soccer at a high level, NCAA, and I um, was drinking all the time. I mean, showing up to practice hungover, like high to every class, like, and just kind of using substances to just like even myself out. And just like numb my way through life without mm-hmm. really realizing it because it's all I ever really knew to do. Mm-hmm. It's all everyone else was doing. And um, one night I went out with some fraternity brothers. I'm a, I was in a fraternity, if you can believe that. Wow. And um, it was dollar what? tequila shot night at this shithole bar, which sounds horrible. But anyways, I ended up um, getting arrested I had torn my LCL in a soccer game uh, about a week before that, and I was out at the bar getting blacked out drunk, and the cops came, and I was underage at the bar, so I tried to, like, run out the back, but my knee was busted, and um, a cop ended up, like, 
tackling me in like the front yard of like a near nearby house and um like arresting me and i went to jail that night and um i blew like a point two eight or something like completely obscene and um i just remember waking up the next day in jail on that like cold bench and just like sitting there like wondering what the hell happened (laughs) and feeling like I have no idea how I got here and like feeling a lot of shame around that and just feeling really stupid and you know beating myself up a lot and having no idea when the hell I was going to get out of there just waiting around feeling like shit because I was still you know wasted from the night before and um yeah, I just, I had, I, in that moment, I think was like, wow, am I real? Is this really my life? Am I in jail right now as a result of drinking? Like, it's silly. And, um, I don't know if you know, but when you run from the cops, you get like an obstructing charge. Um, didn't know. Yeah. So I had a couple of counts of obstruction and underage drinking, drinking ticket, um, you know, which was able to be expunged and all of that. And so it took a little while, but it's just like, yeah, that might've been one of the early moments. Yeah, I'd um, say so. So, But you know, a lot of people have those moments and it doesn't register, you know, like yeah. it still doesn't make an impact, Yeah, which I think is valid and okay. I mean, mm-hmm. even going to knowing your story and your timeline of sobriety and like it's being linear so far, like pretty recently. And mm-hmm. I say recently as in like a little over a year. Right. You're not newly 21. And the, so if you were under 21 there, that's like a big gap of time in mm-hmm. between that first realization and where you are now, For which sure. is so common. Yeah. It's, I've said it before, but there's a discovery phase before recovery and you have to discover what doesn't work for you mm-hmm. and what is making you question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. And I feel like that's your intro to the discovery. So just to go into that discovery a bit more, mm-hmm. how did you pivot and how did you keep questioning what, alcohol did for you Mm -hmm. like were there did you set a new standard did you just promise yourself to not make make it back there Mm -hmm. like what was that like yeah so that's a great question and I you know because it there were a lot of years of drinking following that and you know, I graduated, I moved, I switched careers a couple times. And I think that really what it came down to was somewhere along the way, there was this shift in me using alcohol to have fun. And then kind of slowly over time, beginning to use it to like numb some feelings of things that I hadn't been confronting, um, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't able to articulate Mm -hmm. and I wasn't giving myself enough space or time to be sober enough that I could, um, articulate what that was to myself and work through it. Um, because the conditioning of like starting drinking so young and it being glorified my whole entire life 
I didn't see it as a problem. I, I just thought like, you know, this must be normal when I'm like having a stressed out day or a long day of work, I'm going to come home and have a drink. Like that's totally. exactly what everybody does. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think in recent years, um, I've been so lucky because I have had so many sober people just arrive in my life and enough to where it's made me, um, question like what would life look like without substances right and Mm. I was starting to see that these people in sobriety were transforming their lives like and kind of like with little to no effort of their own besides just abstaining from getting fucked up yeah escaping you know and um so I I it took you know, probably three, four years, even from that awareness to really like work up the courage to, to, to really let go finally once and for all. And I would try for like a couple, you know, a week maybe. And, you know, then all of a sudden I'd be right back to the same pattern. And, um, you know, my issue was always that I just overshot the mark. Like it was never like fun for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I don't necessarily think it was anything that anyone else could clock around me. I mean, at times for sure, you know, I would never mind, but, um, we'll get into that, (laughs) um, off mic, but (laughs) I, I certainly was curious enough to kind of ask myself the deep questions about like, what are my priorities? What is the life I want to be living? Um, are my actions in alignment with my intention? And I could see that they were just so, you know, um, incongruent. So, you know, that's kind of what brought me to that awareness. But it took a long time. I yeah. think, it, you know, that grip is so tight that it, you, you have to kind of work at it to loosen it. Totally. Um, so. Sometimes it happens easier than others. Like, mm-hmm. also sobriety to me is like an outfit that we have and it's layers it's like some people have just a coat some people have a coat and a sweater and a scarf Mm, like mm -hmm. it just takes different people different time lengths to cool down totally and what I'm noticing well I guess I should say I know that's something we really connect on is like the who who we are who we want to be the who in life and like aspiring to be our highest selves Mm. So it started with a how, how did I get here? It ended with like a, or or then moved to like a what, like what am I gonna do about it? Right. And now knowing you in this present moment, who do I wanna be? Mm -hmm. And you're doing it. You're in the creative field, you're an actor, you're a writer, you're so many things, you're so multifaceted, as am I. Yes, queen. Yes. Um, but the creative industry is not one that is sans alcohol. It is boo soaked. Right. Um, you're now navigating that Mm -hmm. in a different level of success than you've been in before. Your career has evolved to having more opportunities, be around higher tier talent, higher tier directors, producers, with that comes a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. How are you like navigating that? Do you mm-hmm. feel the pressure? <laughs> um, oh man, good question. I, God, I, this is, I don't, God, I don't know how this is going to come off, but I don't feel the pressure. Mm. Um, 
and it's because I'm sober. Ah, like, yes. It, it truly, because... Makes sense. It's like, if I was not sober, all of those things that you just said would not be happening. Right. Like, I am so aware that, and, you know, being in the creative space, as you mentioned, it's like, it... it it requires a lot of bandwidth mm -hmm. with your energy and your time and your day and your routine. I mean, you could just as easily throw an entire week away, um, stewing on ideas and not actually, you know, putting anything down on paper or taking the meeting or the phone call or um, uh. executing on the audition or whatever it is, reaching out to the casting director, reaching out to the manager, the agent, if that's your goal. And so... For me, I, I just, I realized, I was like, wow, getting, you know, partying is taking up so much space in my life, you know, and I've seen now that I, I removed that space, like I've, I've removed all of that energy and a lot of the relationships that go along with it. And within that space that I've created, like new things are starting to arrive. Mm. And I'm just so aware of like the letting go process and how you know we can all we can really do in life is just like it's like life is like a science experiment to me now like mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like constantly like it's like trial and error I'm trying this out with this variable and if that doesn't work I'm gonna remove it and try it again with this variable or like you know what yeah, I mean it's totally. just this constant kind of like curiosity and this constant kind of ebb and flow and if something doesn't work it's okay to release it mm -hmm. you know whether that is the pattern the yeah the the food the alcohol the drugs the relationship whatever it is mm -hmm. you know and I've noticed that within the letting go again so many new things have arrived and kind of like I was saying at the beginning of this conversation with little to no effort of my own mm -hmm. you know besides just showing up present authentic in my loving, in my healing, mm -hmm. in my intention. Yeah, I think you are more aligned when you're clear-headed. Look at that plug. Uh, <laughs> than when you're foggy-headed, like yeah. when you're numb. And also, I think this silver lining of having, God, the pits that come with this hamster wheel of hangover, anxiety, drinking is like, I feel like I've already lived through my personal failure emotionally. Mm -hmm. So anything else that I'm going to go out and do now, I can't really, there is no comparable thing. Like, okay, I'm going to take the meeting. I'm going to make the thing. Mm -hmm. N no failure is going to be as worse as what I felt when I was betraying myself constantly for a bottle of tequila. Mm -hmm. You know? So that. that's the silver lining of going through it having it fuel your curiosity yeah and for that curiosity to be 10 times stronger than anything you've ever experienced mm -hmm. when you were newly sober like in this past year so much has happened and although you might have not felt the pressure sometimes success can feel almost as overwhelming as like the pressure of failure, mm -hmm. the pressure of success, or just like realizing that all of these things are coming true and they're at your fingertips and you mm -hmm. kind of have the control of that. Yeah. Can also feel like, for me, sometimes it feels like that's my little trigger in my head of like I want to numb out because I'm too overwhelmed. Do you feel that ever? 
I think that um, so far I, I've just been, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And yeah, I yeah. I acknowledge that experience and I've had that in the past. But lately I'm just like so surprised and so that it just makes me so grateful mm-hmm. that I'm just like living in like the wonder of it. Yeah. Like I just, I can't even believe some of these things are happening and I'm just like so in awe that I don't necessarily think I have moved into that space yet because I don't feel successful. I just feel like I'm trying to just wake up and put one foot in front of the other and like be a good person, you know? I was going to say, like, do you think it's because you've released the what if mentality? Mm. And I feel like you just answered it Mm. because you just, you're not having to defend define what you're experiencing you're just experiencing it Mm -hmm. you know you're not like okay this is success cool done now what Mm. or this isn't and i need to work to this yeah so to speaking to that exact point um i feel like i've really made an intention to grow out of the pattern of um trying to make meaning out of every little thing you know and so when something comes into my life, it's like, what does this mean? Like, what is this going to be? Like, instead, just like take it all. A great friend of mine told me recently, and it's been rattling around in my head, but it's all just information. Like, you're just like receiving information. You don't have to jump to cling on to anything. You don't have to make meaning out of every little thing. And understanding that, you know, whatever interaction you may be having with a person or a situation Mm -hmm. is like, only unique in your experience yeah like in this conversation it's like you and i will experience this conversation completely differently Mm -hmm. even though we're both here present right here and it's an exchange you know and that's like the beautiful thing do you think your desire to try to make meaning out of everything has that been a lifelong thing or has that been a sobriety thing where did that come into play Mm. Oh man, yeah, I guess that's a great question. I think it is a lifelong uh, struggle because it's like, as far as like me wanting to cling to 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 justify my experience, I think we all kind of do that as humans to some extent. Um, you know, we we as human beings, there's like something I feel like deep within us that's like, why are we here? What are we doing? And are we enough? Mm. Like, who are we? And if we're not able to like cling to a career to like define who we are or a relationship to define who we are or a label to define who we are, then I think that can induce a lot of anxiety and questions around if what if none of this means anything, Mm -hmm. then would we still be able to be just be Mm -hmm. would we be able to just be? you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, that is a very recent phenomenon in my life. And I think it is a result of sobriety and healing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting. Cause like, you know, you don't get sober to stay numb. You really feel a lot of feelings. And I would think mm. like almost the opposite, like mm-hmm. you'd be present. So you'd be like, wait, okay, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this way? Why am mm-hmm. I feeling this? Cause I grabbed onto that. I think it's what people are so intimidated by about sobriety like the feeling portion of it (laughs) yes um 
if it's recent, like what'd you do? Mm-hmm. How did you move through that? Um, I have been extremely lucky to um, be working like consistently through, and I've mentioned this to you before, but a spiritual psychology curriculum at USM in Santa Monica, which um, is you know a course that essentially is designed so that you can confront and move through um, some of these some of these barriers that you've created in your life. And a lot of times these barriers that we create in our life are, um, have happened to us so early that it's like, you know, it's of no fault to our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I just actually graduated the second year of that and I got sober at the end of the first year. So for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people in like, um, like recovery in rooms and things will tell you, you know, that uh, your relationship with spirit and God is like bankrupt when you first become sober. But interestingly, I feel like it's the other way around for me sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's like my spiritual connection that brought me to sobriety. Yeah. Um, and so for me, um, to get back to your question, which was about... Just the, how overwhelming it can be to feel feelings. Yes. Yes. So yeah, let me, let me just clarify in saying that when I first got sober, oh man, the feelings were flooding through me. Like the first month, the first two months, three months, six months, having to readjust your life, having to like navigate these, you know, non-sober spaces as a sober person for the first time ever. Yeah. A lot comes up around that. A lot comes up around that. And Um, you know, I, cause in the past I would reach for, uh, Mm -hmm. I would get high, I would get drunk. And when you take that off the table, you're just like stuck feeling your feelings. And for whatever reason, I think I had like, uh, an awareness that like, okay, this is a time where I I am allowed to be selfish. This is a time where I'm Mm -hmm. allowed to withdraw and not in a, in a way that I'm going to withdraw like an addict would but withdraw and be gentle with myself and take with care purpose. of myself with purpose, with intention. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, feelings also in the creative space. I mean, I can remember like doing my first few auditions sober. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that I would, honestly, not that I would ever drink before an audition, but just being like, huh, it seems like there's anger here. That's a new kind of anger. Wow, I understand that anger more because I just recently felt that anger for the first time mm-hmm. since I was like 13. How do you define that? How do you relate it? How do you, you know, labels are such a double-edged sword sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. it really can help you get clear on what you're feeling. And it can also box you in Mm -hmm. to like thinking you can't escape that. Right. So with your creative process, did you experience the same thing in acting where you were like, whoa, these feelings holy shit, Mm -hmm. Uh, how can I bring that? How can I feel that? And do you think that because of your passion for acting and having feelings that it made it like easier to work through new ones? Mm. Yeah. Well, one of the things you said just now was about like, wow, I haven't experienced this anger since I was like 13. And when I first got sober, I was having feelings that I felt like I was a child again, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you start using so young, 
like you really are stifling yourself from experiencing these emotions and you haven't dealt with them, these types of emotions since you've been that young. So those are the ones that are flooding back and it brings you back to that place. Yeah. So I can relate to that so much. And I think that, yeah, to some degree, if like you're an artist and you're working with your feelings anyways, and you're working with your process that like, for me, I think that, you know, I, I wrote a play last year and it was, I, for whatever reason, I just started putting the pen to the paper. It's a one person play. And it's like, it, I, I had no idea what it was going to be, but I was like, I'm just going to start recording my process and what I'm thinking and feeling. And so I was able to pour it into a script and, um, you know, it ended up form, you know, it went through a bunch of different iterations, but it ended up, um, becoming a one man show that is called um, The Nice Guy, and it's all about these heightened people-pleasing and codependency patterns. I didn't even know I was codependent. I didn't realize how much I was people-pleasing. I didn't know how much energy I was giving away until I got sober, you know? Mm. Um, So I was, and I am very grateful that I had like an outlet to pour it into. Um, And I I do remember, with the acting uh, portion that like I was in an audition class and um, about a month and a half, two months after I got sober, I didn't tell anybody, but um, the coach was telling, like I did some read or whatever and he looked at me and he was like, something's different about you. Like something's different about you. And I was just kind of like, wonder what that could be (laughs) but you know I didn't let on or anything but it hearing things like that really Mm -hmm. you like internalize okay so and I think that was like a dark scene you know Mm -hmm. um and so yeah being able to kind of like exercise your demons through your art like that's what we do that's what we love yeah um and so yeah I was grateful to have that outlet and I think it did help and support me a lot you also have been in a relationship and you have a good support around you. Mm-hmm. Did you find like that was helpful? Did you find like that was something new to navigate? Really, I'm asking because, I mean, you know, Sarah, Sarah and I got sober 10 days apart and we're very new in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we got to build kind of our structure and our routine together right. in sobriety. Right. What is it like navigating that already in a relationship? Mm-hmm. And did you evolve in any way because you had to like put in a new routine in place? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, yeah, because, you know, I've been dating my partner for a while. And um, one of the things that was an adjustment was just around like our social kind of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I would recommend this to everybody, but I initially like didn't really advertise that I was getting sober because yeah. I had tried to get sober so many times and failed that I felt like if I really said it, mm-hmm. you know, to anyone, including my partner that like, and then I failed that like I would have that other residual shame on top of that. Totally, yeah. So it wasn't even until, you know, I was, I think about like a, a month in that I, you know, um, my partner noticed, obviously, but I don't think they really understood 
um, that I was like serious about it Mm -hmm. because to some extent I didn't know if I was serious about it. And, um, you know, they've been so, so supportive and, you know, just creating so much room for me to just explore my process and my healing. And, you know, I know that they are just so proud of me Mm -hmm. and, and I'm just like, I just feel so grateful because yeah, it's definitely brought us together in a new way. Yeah. You know, um, you know, when you're in a relationship and you both care about each other so much, you ultimately want what's best for each other. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. You know? And so, um, yeah, I just feel really, really grateful to have found myself in a situation like that. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Not everybody does. Right. I really love that you kept it close to chest because I think it's important that people know that they can. Right. I didn't know that I could. I didn't know that that was an option. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kept it to myself for like, you know, nine days. Yeah. Hence the 10 day difference. (laughs) But it's important to know like the difference between like a secret and then privacy. And you're entitled to privacy. Mm -hmm. Sobriety is nothing shameful yeah and at the same time it's everything that's yours it's only for you right so however you treat it is just for you for sure and and i'd like to like also clarify that that is like a very evolved perspective on it but i think that actually one of the things i was struggling with which has brought me to drinking and numbing is that i i don't think i really trusted myself to be able to share what was truly on my heart even with the people that are closest to me yeah so I would have to like numb it out and like navigate it differently so I think to some extent that was just me fulfilling that pattern yeah of being of being totally transparent and authentic like hey you know this is what I'm really struggling with right now and um I just am gonna need like some space and some time and some support like, I wasn't able to say those things, like, how I'm able to say now. Totally. You know? And I, I remember somebody told me a few Christmases ago, I was having some reading, if anyone out there is interested in, like, spiritual healing and stuff. I had a reading with a, a woman who's incredible, and, and she gave me some advice, like, you need to figure out what you want, and you need to be able to take up space. And my whole entire life I could see when she said that was about me just like trying to like be as small as possible, you know, like not make any waves, just be super, super just um, agreeable and um, make pleasantries and just be the type of person that everybody just enjoys and stuff. And, you know, that can only bring you so far because you're not really expressing yourself fully and authentically so you're not able to really connect on a level that's like deep and meaningful um which is ultimately what i want in my life i want to be connected to my life um but i was like really skirting around it and trying to um like navigate it that way and it was leaving me just feeling really um just disconnected you know yeah and um so and i think that 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 all came out in the play that I mentioned earlier because mm-hmm. it is this people-pleasing thing. It is this like me, like me, like me thing. And what I've come to realize is that over time, like if you become the most authentic version of yourself and you take up space and you just, you know, because you still have the good intention that you once always had and you actually give people the opportunity to connect with you, 
then all of a sudden your relationships start flourishing with virtually no effort, you yeah. know, and just by showing up and being authentic and being yourself with, with good intention and sober. Like, yeah. So, you know, it's all a discovery phase, honestly. It really it, is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. You've come so far. Life, so long as we keep living it, will take us even further. Mm. Um, I want to wrap this conversation up no. with a but I know. Just kidding. We'll go on tour. <laughs> <laughs> Deep talks. Um I want to know what your sober care routine is. I mean, we talk all the time mm-hmm. about like, oh, well, I talk all the time. about This is my favorite drink right now. And I love this drink. And have you read this book? And we've shared and you've shared with friends. But like your wealth of knowledge, by the way, before you keep going on that subject in particular is fascinating uh, and incredible. And that's why I just like sit and listen. I'm like, tell me everything. Bestow this information upon me thank you of course sarah's even more than i am she's like and the adaptogens and the way they cook it and i'm like oh but yes icons thank you you too (laughs) what is your iconic sober care routine right now (laughs) you're in the midst of creative endeavors Mm -hmm. having celebrations evolving what does it look like for you (sighs) i feel like it's ever-changing but um, I really enjoy um, physical activity and exercise, um, which is something I always knew about myself, but something that I wasn't really prioritizing. So this year I was like, I'm getting my, you know, one, I'm getting my yearly yoga pass and to hot yoga and I'm going because, you know, it's not cheap. So I was like, maybe if I invest in myself, mm-hmm. I'll feel obligated enough to go because I know I want to. Um, and so I've been doing that consistently, you know, like three times a week. I love to run. Um, I have a bike, but I don't use it enough. And that's kind of one of my intentions this summer. I just really like cardio. I think it gets you out of yourself. I think like it kind of recalibrates your nervous system and, um, you know, boosts your endorphins and endorphins make you happy as yes. Owens once said. The Great Scholar, Legally Blonde. Yes. Um, I also really enjoy like meditation, um, like a guided meditation is always nice. And uh, I journal a lot. That was one of my commitments to myself this year, um, which is really nice because you can articulate your thoughts and kind of get them out on the page and just like, you know, it's for no one but yourself and your process. And um, big into skincare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love a nice bath. Yes. Like, not ice bath, but nice, nice bath. bath. Although I would love to start trying ice baths. No. I follow all these people on Instagram. They're doing ice baths all I the time. I think I'm it's like, a scam. You do? No, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I want to hear more about that. Yeah. I know. I'm like, you know, um, I follow so many like biohackers on Instagram. I'm like, I'm going to be like this one day. Um, I'm not. One but, step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. It's ever evolving. Um, so, you know, and I'm finding that having priorities as far as like my creative goals and endeavors is like kind of a part of my self-care because I feel like proud of myself once I like get something done, like yes. achieve a goal and yeah. like, um, yeah. But I love uh, that. Yeah. Well, I'm so honored to be your friend, oh, to go on the journey with you, share a little sober care routine tips and tricks with you and be a part of your story. That is so great. 
I'm so happy to be on your podcast. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Of course. Over. Of course. Oh my God, anytime. Let's do it again soon. Okay. All right. I love you. Love you. <laughs> okay. For more guidance on building your sober gear routine, head to clearheaded.co or follow us on Instagram at clearheaded.co. <laughs>